بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد رسول الکریم اما بات الحمد للہ جنائی از دا آف مارچ ان دی ایئر ٹو تھاؤزنڈ اینڈ It's possible that it might be the final night and Ramadan enters tomorrow. Whatever the case, we pray to Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that He blesses us <coughs> in the remaining month of this month, Sha'aban, and to allow us to reach the holy month of Ramadan. Amen. And I spent a few sessions discussing the subject of, of uh, sacred knowledge. So to spend one last session on this subject, Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi, rahmatullahi, who passed away 597 AH, so around eight centuries plus ago, he'd given the following priceless advice to his son, Abu al-Qasim, who died 656 AH, with regards to the invaluable worth of good deeds. In his valuable book, Sincere Counsel to the Students of Sacred Knowledge, page 72 of the English Translation, So, Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi was a famous Hanbali sheikh, rahmatullahi, and he wrote many works. And this advice he gave to his own son. But it's in one of his works called Sincere Counsel to the Students of Sacred Knowledge. So he mentioned, Do not forget, my son, that it was the good deeds that Yunus had in store that saved him from hardship. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Surah As-Safat, Surah 37, verse 143 to 4. فَلَوْلَا أَنَّهُ كَانَ مِنَ الْمُسَبِّحِينَ لَلَبِثَ فِي بَطْنِهِ لَا يَوْمِ يُبْعَثُونَ Had he, alayhi salatu wasalam, not been amongst those who glorify, he would have remained inside its belly till the day they will be resurrected. i.e. it would have become his grave. So, stop in the quote. So, he's mentioning to his son something about the Holy Prophet Yunus and he mentioned because he had stored up so many great deeds, it was that that Allah Ta'ala used to save him from hardship. And where's the proof? Surah 37 verse 143 to 4. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Had he not been amongst those who glorify, he would have remained inside the belly till the day they be resurrected. So, this is the first thing he mentioned to his son. He goes, the importance of righteous deeds, they help you in times of need. Then he said, it was also the evil deeds that Fir'aun had stored for himself. that rendered him unable to find an escape when disaster befell him. He was told in Surah Yunus, alayhi salatu wasalam, Surah 10 verse 91, It is now you believe, whilst having disobeyed before. So stop in the court. So he goes to the other end of the scale. 
he said that Fir'aun, Fir'aun, why was he doomed? Because he accumulated so many evil deeds. And when the disaster struck, he was told in the Quran, now you believe. What does Allah Ta'ala say? وَقَدْ أَصَيْتَ قَبْلُ You disobeyed before. So Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi said, Pharaoh's destruction occurred due to his accumulation of sins. Then he said to his son, those store good deeds arising from taqwa for yourself and you shall see the results. He then mentioned the hadith in Abu Nu'im al-Hiliya 4-139. The Prophet said, there is no youth who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in his youth except that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala raises him in status when he is old. Subhanallah. So he's telling his son, he goes, you're young, but don't let that deceive you. Now is the time to do the righteous deeds because this is what will help you in the long, in the end, at the end result. And the hadith indicates that he calls the hadith, whoever fears his Lord in his youth, Allah ta'ala raises him in status when he is old. Then the Shaykh said that Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in Surah Yusuf, alayhi salatu wasalam, Surah 12, verse 22. And when he attained maturity, we gave him wisdom and knowledge. Thus do we reward the muhsineen. So Hafiz ibn al-Jawzi said, why was Yusuf given, given knowledge and wisdom? Because he was a muhsin. He was a very righteous person. Allah goes, I'm rewarding him in his youth for his purity. And then Ibn al-Jawzi <coughs> says that Allah the Almighty and Glorious says in Surah Yusuf, alayhi salatu wasalam, Surah 12 verse 19, إِنَّهُ مَيَّتَّقِي وَيَصْبِرُ فَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُدِيءُ أَجْرَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ Verily, he who fears Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has patience, then undoubtedly Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not let the reward of the muhsins to be lost. So he finishes the advice to his son by saying that if you fear your Lord, you have patience. Allah ta'ala will never let the reward of the pure ones be lost. So what, in a nutshell, what advice was he giving? He was advising his son with regards to the invaluable worth of good deeds. So good deeds aren't just for rewards. This is a very shallow way of looking at good deeds. Good deeds is Allah's gateway to helping his servants. And this is what he was highlighting. What's interesting, the youth, the youth don't understand this. The youth think that when you get old, I'll you know, change my way, I'll live a righteous life. But you've wasted your life. What have you stored up for that point? So when you're young, this is when you need to be focusing. As Hafiz ibn Qudama so beautifully put it, in the Reliance of the Traveller, page 780, the whole point of knowing about religious practices is to apply it. Without works, it is useless. He goes, have you not reflected upon the words of your Lord? And he recited, Surah Ash-Shams, Surah 91, verse 9. Qad aflahaman zakkaha. Verily, he succeeds that purifies it. 
he subhanahu wa ta'ala did not say he who knows how to purify has succeeded subhanallah so what did the great ibn qudama say rahmatullah because the whole point is to act upon the knowledge because without action knowledge is useless and what proof does he give he gives a verse of the quran and what does allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say qad aflaha man zaqqaha truly he succeeds that purifies it the sheikh then said allah taala did not say truly he succeeds who knows how to purify it so allah taala is telling you that knowledge is useless without action if you purify your nafs you succeed but purification of the nafs is through action and unfortunately people they don't understand the value of deeds indeed one should follow our beloved messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam whether one understands the wisdom in his action or not so this is why we are muslims if something is taught to us by the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam whether we understand it or not we act upon it in a famous report for instance in sahih bukhari number 1597 abis ibn rabia he relates once during the khalifat sayyidina umar radiyallahu went to the kaaba he kissed the black stone and he said verily i know that you are a stone that can neither harm nor benefit had it not been for the fact i saw rasulullah kiss you sallallahu alaihi wasallam i would not have kissed you so this is a very interesting report kissing the black stone is sunnah and his virtues which the prophet mentioned sallallahu alaihi wasallam but umar kissed it and then he started talking now why was he talking because there was people and he was explaining to them tawhid he goes i know you're a stone why because these people they were worshiping stones they just left stones so he said i know you're only a stone you can't benefit or harm anybody but then he explained why he was doing it had it not been for the fight i saw the surullah kiss you i would not have kissed you so what was he teaching the people he goes you do what the prophet does no questions asked so the lord is half is ibn jadid in his tarikh he explained sayyidina umar radiyallahu simply said that for many people had only recently been idol worshipers thus he feared that some ignorant people might misconstrue his kissing the black stone as signifying that some stones are still worthy of being glorified as was the belief of arabs during the jahiliyyah so this is the greatness of sayyidina umar he was the padlock of the fit <coughs> the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said he is a padlock to the fitna he makes he cuts the fitna at its roots so even when he was going to the black stone allah ta'ala inspired him to say these words mm-hmm. and that's why we kiss the stone now but even with this clarification they still say oh you venerate a rock in makkah you know you still hear them say because that cube you 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 all prostrate to that cube and there's a rock that you 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 is your god why they got them thoughts because they haven't got the understanding but umar clearly clarified why we kiss the black stone hafiz ibn hajar asqalani he commented in fatul bari 3-590 in religious matters umar radiyallahu would always submit to the commands of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the sunnah of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam even when he did not fully understand the wisdom behind a particular act of worship This is a tremendously important principle 
one should follow whatever Rasulullah did. Even in situations wherein one does not know the wisdom behind one of Rasulullah's actions. So what did the great Hafiz Ibn Hajj al-Asqalani said? He said that you follow the Prophet without question, even if you don't know the wisdom. So now if you look at all of the things that they're discovering scientifically in Islam, all of the things that they were doing with Iman is now being explained by science. For instance, the Prophet mentions that the black seed has a cure for everything except death in Sayyid Bukhari. And now what they're finding out about the black seed, it goes, it helps produce T-cells, strengthens your immune system. They're using it to help cancer patients now and to also to fight the AIDS virus because anything which boosts the immune system. So they're working out somewhat what the Prophet's saying. Did we have to wait for that? Now I'm going to have black seed because Professor John told me. Right? So we just do what the Prophet said. He said, that eat from the two bitter things. He goes, there is great cure in them. And he mentioned the mustard seed and the aloe vera. And again, what have they discovered about these two things? They're superfoods. They've labeled them as superfoods, meaning they've got too much blessings within them. We need to wait for the professors to tell us, or the Prophet telling us. The Prophet said in Sayyid Bukhari, if a fly, a house fly falls into your drink, he goes, dip the other wing, because the, in one of the wings there's a disease, in the other there's a cure. So they used to laugh at this hadith. He goes, look what Islam's telling them to do, to dip flies into their drinks. And what have they discovered? That if you dip the, submerge the fly, the body releases yeast cells, which destroys the bacteria. But you have to submerge the fly. Do we have to wait for Professor Bob to tell us this? Right? So what did Umar say? He goes, we just follow. We don't question the Prophet But, very important, it must be authentic from the Prophet. Not something fabricated. Once it's established from the Prophet, if it's not, then forget it. It's made up. People just innovate. Prophet did this, Prophet did that. And where did he get it from? brother had a dream. Right? Leave that to Martin Luther King. Right? We're not bothered about your dreams. Right? We're bothered about what Revelation says. So how sad it is that the sunnah is being neglected due to frail logic. Think about that. People, you know, frail logic. They go, no, no, it doesn't make sense to that. I'm not going to apply that. And then the response to that is, when you're leaving the example of the Prophet, you know better than the Prophet. What does the Quran say? In Surah Al-Baqarah, Surah 2, verse 61. أَتَسْتَبْدِلُونَ الَّذِي هُوَ أَدْنَى بِالَّذِي هُوَ خَيْرٌ Will you exchange what is lower for what is better. So Allah is asking this question. Is what's the matter with you? That you're exchanging what is you know worth far less for what is far greater. Who would exchange a diamond for a coal? Unless he's mentally retarded. So Allah is telling you, because don't do that. Another disaster, which again is too common, is to debate needlessly. Hafiz Mullah Ariqari, he mentions in his preface to, to the Hidayah. One day, Imam Abu Hanifa came across his son, Hamad, debating with somebody. 
to picture the scene, Imam Abu Hanifa Mujtahid Imam, he sees his son debating. After he had finished, Imam Abu Hanifa Rahmatullah approached his son and he said, that was not permissible for you. He goes, I never want to see you debate again. So his son, Hamad Rahmatullah he was surprised. He goes, Father, I see you every day debating with non-Muslims. If it is allowed for you, then why is it not allowed for us? He replied, there is a difference between you and I. The way I debate is permissible because my intention is to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and convey the true message and not to please myself. But when I saw you debating, you were not delivering the message. You were trying to win the argument. You were pleasing yourself. You was not pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because secondly, when I debate, I do not make eye contact with the person. Since if the person is struggling to provide answers to my questions, I do not want them to feel ashamed, as this might be a barrier to them taking in the message. But you was ogling him with your eyes. So now, speaker's corner. There you go, brother. Kiamat sign. Right? Go to Kiamat sign, speaker's corner. Right? And then you listen, you think, is he, who's debating? Why are you debating? What are you debating about? Right? Just pass the message on and go. But I need to debate. Debate about what? Pass the message on. Imam Abu Hanifa rebuked his son. Was his son not qualified? Imagine a mujtahid imam. Just don't do it again. So what do you think he say about speaker's corner? Right? So note, this doesn't mean you don't debate at all. What it means is you have to be very careful. Everything has to be sincerely for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But you've got to ask yourself the question. Are you trying to defeat your opponent? Is that your intention? And if it is, who are you trying to fool? Your intention is to convey the message and not to belittle the person you're talking to. Imam Shafi, what, what was his famous words? Imam Shafi, rahmatullahi said, I sincerely wish that my opponent would utter the truth so I could follow Look how pure he was. So imagine, which one of us has that? You see a person debating and you go, Ya Allah, you know deep down, I wish he had the truth. I would follow it. How's that for a pure heart? What do we do? I'm going to humiliate him. That's the first intention. MashaAllah. To conclude this section, how true and poignant were the words of Hilal ibn al-Allah. What did he say? Seeking knowledge is hard. Preserving it is harder than seeking it. Acting on it is harder than preserving it. Whilst being safe from it is harder than acting upon it. Recorded by Hafiz Zahabi in his Kabail in the chapter 38 on teaching for worldly gain and concealing knowledge. So what, let's break it down. What's the easiest part of knowledge? Acquiring it. But Hilal ibn al-Allah said it's still hard, even though it's the easiest part. Acquiring knowledge is the easiest of the hardest, if that's the correct word to use. Because what is harder than acquiring it? Keeping it preserved. How many fruitcakes 
Oh, yeah, brother. I knew that hadith. No, you didn't. You forgot it. You had to wait for me to utter it. Preserving it is harder than seeking it. So acquiring it is the easiest, but you know it takes effort. Preserving it is harder than seeking it. Acting on it is harder than preserving it. So somebody goes, look, I've preserved everything. It's there, black and white. Have you got it into your life? No. Right? So that's the harder aspect of knowledge. And then the last part, what an amazing statement you made. Whilst being safe from knowledge is harder than acting upon it. What was he talking about then? One of the aspects is debate. You don't acquire knowledge to debate. You know, one of the scholars, Mulana Ashraf Ali Thanvi, he goes, when I left the madrasa, when I learned, when Allah blessed me with some knowledge, he goes, for two years I was debating everybody. I came out of the madrasa, I was going for the, you know, he mentioned all these groups. <laughs> two years, imagine, manazara, they call it manazara, mashallah. So he was going, you know, full, fully loaded weapons. And then after two years, Allah put into his heart, he goes, what on earth are you doing? Did you acquire knowledge to do this? And then he goes, he stopped debating. And if you look at his life, he never debated. All he started talking about was iman, how to build your iman, how to get your connection, purify your deeds, etc., etc. So question, will we become alims? Most of us won't. But we can take a lesson from that. What the hell are you debating for? Knowledge is now destroying you. And then he goes, no, no, I'm doing it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh, you need to do it for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Camera goes off, what happens? Popcorn finished, let's go. No, camera will ring. That's why you're doing a debate, mashallah. And then you get people. You have, they even, stuff for Allah. Somebody's recording it. As he's debating, he's looking at camera. Right? So he goes, yeah, yeah, and you, are you, oh, yes, and you, what are you looking at the camera for, brother? Isn't that pure, yeah? You're not even supposed to look at your opponent. So note again, astaghfirullah, and these are all signs of the end of time. Shaitan is playing with the ignorant. And what happens after the debate? How do you feel? You feel charged up. You feel solid, huh? You ask them. A couple of hours later, got a headache. Need paracetamol, right? And he goes, why you got a headache, brother? I had an immense debate with somebody, did you? When you do something righteous, do you get a headache? Right? There's a sign. Allah is telling you something there. But of course, There is no power or might except from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the most high, the events. So all I mentioned today was, again, the importance of sacred knowledge, but highlighting the importance of righteous deeds first and foremost, and then the importance of acting upon that knowledge, importance of following our beloved messenger without question, and then of course, to be careful of the pitfalls of sacred knowledge. Are there any questions you'd like to ask? سبحان الله وبحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك اشهد ان لا اله الا انت استغفرك واتوب اليك اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم والاصل ان الانسان لفي خسر الذين امنوا وعملوا الصالحات